On Thursday, tragedy struck the 40 acres as University of Texas sophomore Jake Ellinger was found, uh, passed away in, in Austin. Services will be held for uh, Jake on Wednesday at Riverbend Church Home uh, for Hope in Austin. It's a tragedy when anybody loses their life, but the Ellinger family has been through quite an ordeal over the last several years. And so we want to take a moment and pause and send our thoughts and condolences to his friends and family and, and anybody who uh, was impacted by his passing. A moment of silence and horns up for the Ellingers. everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, The Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's starting to feel a little less threatened by the color purple. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, never been threatened by the, the hit film, um, the color purple. Um, but I, uh, I, 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 I am not feeling bad about the, the purple shade that, uh, you know, has a frog on it. I, I am, however, for the first time in my life, rooting heartily for uh, the purple wildcats. You know, that's a, a dramatic, drastic 180 turn for me. But uh, we'll talk a little baseball here in a minute, Gerald. Uh, How's your week? You doing all right? Man, I am doing okay. Had a really successful Mother's Day yesterday with my wife and then my mother-in-law. We Skyped with my mom, who's in the San Antonio area. Um, our youngest, who... The cool thing about, about babies is that like they clench their fists around anything you give them. So having a baby carrying the Mother's Day gift crushed it. Like, had the kid... Holding the cards as we walked into the room, it was the perfect, perfect moments. I really appreciate my youngest with the with the assist, and uh, I don't know if it'll ever get better than that. That's that's pretty amazing. I I, I have no kids, um, so I, I haven't got to do that. But I did go home to uh, my own mother and uh, found a, uh, a a song on YouTube with lyrics and sweet videos about um, what moms uh, do and are and, uh, ruined her makeup before we went to brunch. So, um, you know how that goes. Uh, you, you never stop being a son, no matter how old you are. Moms, all the moms, hopefully many, many moms listen to this. Uh, we appreciate you. We love you. Uh, keep doing what you do. My wife and I had this funny conversation yesterday about how on mother's day, it takes like 17 people to add back the amount of value that you're looking for to like <laughs> thank a mom for. It's like, Hey, so we wanted to honor you today. So dad's cooking breakfast. And then we're going to go to this <laughs> restaurant for lunch and we hired somebody to, to clean the house. And we hired somebody <laughs> like all of the things that like you take moms for credit for, you don't, you realize it's like, Oh, I need to do all these things, right? So again, happy Mother's Day. Not saying that that's like the thing that moms have to do, but like whatever you take off a of mom's plate, you realize weighs a hundred pounds each item. So it's like, how do you carry all of this? Whatever that is that you take off the plate. 
right? Wait, I got I got to cook breakfast with both kids. Like I can't just like <laughs> ship them off to you while I. It's it's even like little stuff that I was like I got to make some waffles. So my wife wanted. She wanted waffles. We made waffles. Anywho, we're not here to talk about breakfast foods, even though I bet we could do actually a pretty solid podcast about breakfast uh, foods, Kyle. Uh, we we might have some downtime. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if we could squeeze a special edition out. Tweet at us at uh, Longhorn Pod if you're if you're clamoring for the uh, the the waffles and what do we call this one, Gerald? Wings, waffles, and uh, women's tennis. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna. I was going to go pancakes and milkshakes because that would allow us to cover multiple things. We talk about offensive linemen. Uh, we could talk about hip hop from the early 2000s. Uh-huh. All sorts of stuff we could. I'm telling you, got to gotta get all of it. We're not <laughs> here to talk about any of that foolishness. Uh, back on track. Come on, Gerald. Uh, so we had some baseball and softball over the weekend. So the Texas Longhorns proved that if you come at the king, you best not miss and took down number three TCU in Fort Worth after TCU bloggers named them the king of Lone Star baseball. Sucks to suck. Softball ended the regular season on a high note. Men's tennis and women's tennis both doing good things in the NCAA tournament. So we'll cover all of that in the down the 40. But Kyle, the big news this last week, after a disappointing weekend against Texas Tech, where Texas really could have uh, kind of taken a stranglehold over what was the Big 12 race, or at least been able to do that. Texas took two of three from TCU, needed to sweep them to take full control over the Big 12 future, but pulled themselves within one game of TCU overall. Friday night, they got a 5-4 to four win, thanks to um, the late-game pitching, of uh, the relief pitching of Tanner Witt. Uh, Zach Zubia's bat was lively all weekend. We'll talk more about that. Saturday was a tight one. It was a weird one. Uh, TCU's relief pitchers pitch real weird, not a fan of it, uh, but came away with a loss 2-1, to one, but roared back and really made a statement on Sunday with a 9-3 to three win over the Horned Frogs to take the weekend series and, again, to move themselves one game back of the Horned Frogs for the uh, top spot in the Big 12. So there's a lot to unpack from this weekend series, Kyle, but when you think about the, the story of these three games, man, what jumps out to you the most? Well, th- this was this was a a college world series or at least an NCAA regional type uh, atmosphere, the stakes on the line, uh, the lack of uh, stadium restrictions. Um, You know, it was a packed crowd, a hostile (laughs) crowd. um, I believe a Friday night drunken frat. It must've been dollar beer night or something crowd. uh, The heckling, the, um, you know, on top of you shouting, yelling, cheering at everything that goes wrong in your mind and, and, and booing everything that goes good. You know, it was it was the type of crowd that you want to see a team really rise up against and and to do that again against the number three team that had been um just lights out and one of the best teams in the country. You really this was a test of of, you know, do they have it? We all knew Texas was good. Um, we, we had an idea of how good we thought they could be at their best if they everything clicked and they performed. And I don't even think getting out of here with a series win that this was necessarily, quote, their best. I think it was very good. I think there were some things that were great. I think there were some things that you could still see if this team plays an A-plus um, you know, game all the way through. Bats, arms, base running, fielding, all you know, checks all the boxes. There is still even another level up. But I thought TCU is a heck of a team, and and to take nothing away from them, they they played a great series, you know, especially the first two games. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you learned a lot about Texas, and I think you should leave this one feeling like this is a year that it is okay to have expectations that Texas can compete 
and get a run together and have national title aspirations. All year we've kind of been hesitant, and I, I know I've even felt like, are the ratings too high? Are we really this good? You know, that just you know you're pensive to uh you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself and be cocky and uh be let down but it, i i think this was an exclamation point um we'll see as they close the year out but uh this was an exclamation point that i think should allow you to let that guard down and just full-on full-throated enthusiasm and optimism that this is legitimately a team that could win a national championship they absolutely will have a say i think in, in the national championship picture right and i even think that and I'm just going to go and say it. I think last weekend's weirdness against Texas Tech, I think if those games are played under normal conditions, your starting pitcher doesn't have a hand issue. You don't have a weird rain out in the middle of a rally. Texas probably takes two of those three games. And you and I had a text conversation about it. I think Texas probably wins seven out of ten against Tech. Uh, two of those three just happened that fall uh, on the same weekend. And so – Texas looks strong. Texas made a statement, especially on Sunday, being mm-hmm. able to pour it on. And, and um, I think the thing that speaks to me, especially about that, is like TCU tried to build some momentum in the bottom of the ninth, and the Texas relief pitchers just slammed the door shut. They said, yeah. nope, not going to happen, not going to do it. And that's really what it's going to take in the NCAA tournament. Those games, if you remember any of the runs that Texas has had, in the NCAA tournament, it's all about late game performance. There's a reason why yeah. a closer is one of the most renowned players in <laughs> Texas baseball history, right? Because he shut the door in a national championship setting. There's a reason why the Clemens boys made a name for themselves in the tournament because of late game heroics. And so Texas being able to do that on uh, both Friday and Sunday speaks a lot to the late season uh, viability of this team. And, and Zach Zubia doing what he did with his bat, you know, three home runs seven RBIs um you know he was named the big 12 player of the week for his uh for his efforts but like the Texas needs its big names to perform in big spots they struggled to do that last weekend and they did it this weekend and I think that to me speaks volumes of what Texas is going to do moving forward yeah I mean look they 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 were they were plus six in in run scored in this series in the tech series um I think they were like plus three overall even though they lost that series and in the Oklahoma State series where they did lose one you know I think Oklahoma State actually was ahead on that one but if you look at their three biggest series here at the end um, they're like a they're like a plus six against you know two of those winning uh, series on the road in tough top you know 25 college world series type opponents and atmospheres so I, I think it I think it translates well I think you know you look at this one and you look at the 2-1 loss on Saturday um, we'll love to sweep obviously but I mean it, it was no fault of Tristan Stevens his arm w- was good I thought you know the pitching was great like you said from from top to, to, to bullpen I thought Aaron Nixon did fantastic this entire uh, season but or, uh, series I should say um, but uh, but yeah I think the arms worked the bats worked on Sundays um, and you know I, I think there's a lot you can go top to bottom on on, on fielding base running you know we'd like to see we'd like to see that cleaned up a, a little here we're at the end of the season still having some issues but um you know I, I think um you look at that and you say does that beat Mississippi State does that beat Ole Miss does that even maybe beat Arkansas and none of those are absolutely not right I think the 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 starting pitching they have one two three is as good as any team in the country I think their bullpen um, when they're on and locked in like they were Cole Quintanilla coming in and just being able to get you out of a jam Nixon coming in and being able just to to slam the door Um, I think um, I think they have the pieces I think they're poised I think this is um, 
you know, if the bats are going and you have three guys who can hit the ball out of the park and five guys who can get on base consistently, um, you know, you just need to, you need to get those lined up and not leave people in scoring position and, and maximize and take advantage. And, you know, you, you, you can give yourself, like you said, in the conversation, a chance to beat any team in the country. And, and, and we'll see, like I said, a homestand to finish this out here and then a big 12 tournament. And, uh, and then we're on it's, it's, it's the exciting times. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it there. Like, Texas had a ton of chances to win on Saturday. They left 10 on base, and, and I did the counting because I was curious about it and had some time on my hands. They, in the final six innings, after falling behind on Saturday, they left five in scoring position. Again, you turn one of those into a run, that's a different game. Texas sweeps and maybe has a, the stranglehold on the Big 12 championship. So I think that's a uh, that's a, that's something big to take care of or keep your eyes on. So Texas needs a little bit of help to – get its hands on a Big 12 championship, at least the regular season championship. So TCU closes out the season against um, number seven in the conference, Kansas State, who's currently at 7-11 and 11 in the conference, while Texas gets number eight, West Virginia, who's currently seven of 14 in the conference. So Texas would need to take the sweep from, well, there are a lot of different scenarios, right? But if Texas sweeps, and Kansas State wins one, that's enough for Texas to take a regular season championship. And that's, uh, if you want to just take control of your own destiny, then win all three games against a team that you're really significantly better than. Absolutely. I, 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 I love that. And just one final thing. A guy who I'm excited, we've been praising his fielding all year. He bats in the bottom of the lineup, but a guy who was heckled incessantly and constantly. Had the weirdest call um, in that first game where he got... Uh, you know, out of the batter's box, shot clock expiration, strikeout. Um, Trey Faltini. Um, just the the fans seemed to, to to hone in and target, laser focus him, and, and just heckle him. And it, it seemed to wake his bat up. Um, he seemed to get better as the series went on. The more they 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 chirped, the better he did. So uh, having Faltini um, as an extra bat in that consistent bats I was referencing earlier um, is is a uh, is a really good indicator for success in in those uh, in those five remaining games. I think having that bat, if he could do what he does, he's one of the best defensive you know infielders in the country, all American level, just you know, from the defensive side. But if he his bat, which has been honestly trending up the, the past month really, um, but but gets locked in for this run, that's just one more dangerous weapon to go with Melendez and Zubia, who's on fire, and uh, and Cam, who can just catch one and send it out of the park, and uh, and and Tico, who you know has speed to go with with some late season uh, good hitting, and uh, Daly and Hodo, who you know I think Daly really is, has has been great, um, but Hodo who can get, I mean, there's just there's so many names, and and that's that's what you need because heroes come. Uh, from anywhere in 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 postseason. Speaking of the postseason, Texas is in a great position to host an NCAA regional as one of the top eight national seeds. Uh, they jumped up to number five in the polls, three in the RPI, and so we'll find out about that on Wednesday slash Thursday, right after that midweek game against Texas Southern. Uh, so the next up for Texas again, Texas Southern uh, today, as you're listening to this, and then next week they'll have a uh, matchup against Rice. And then they'll close out the season, the regular season, May 20th, um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday series against West Virginia. So the number 11 softball team 
closed out the regular season with a three-game sweep of the Baylor Bears. Thanks heavily in part to the Texas pitching staff. Gave up just 11 hits in 20 innings played. You might notice that there was one shy there because one of those was a run rule Friday night. Thank you. Uh, Shailen O'Leary started off, um, picked up her 11th win of the season after just five innings of work, two hits, and four strikeouts. Texas won that Friday matchup. Eight nothing in six, so that's I think we're up to sixteen run rules on the year. Molly Jacobson on Saturday did her part. Seven innings pitched, complete game, four hits, seven strikeouts to pick up her thirteenth win of the year. And then Shailen O'Leary said, "You know what? I want to get a second shot this weekend." So picked up her twelfth win of the year after a complete game, five hitter, striking out two. We call that the, uh, the the Pfizer series. When you, you come in, you open it up, and then you get your second shot uh, to close it out. Texas will be fully vaccinated in two <laughs> weeks now. Uh, so uh, Shannon Rhodes had a night on Friday as part of that 8 uh, nothing win. Went 3-for-3, three three, drove in 3 on Saturday. Um, Texas took advantage of the Baylor uh, pitching woes. They walked in back-to-back uh, full count runs, which... Sucks to suck. And then our friend Mary Iacopo uh, drove in two on Sunday in that 5 nothing win. A big, big weekend from the circle and in the batter's box for the Longhorns. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, there were a couple monumental um, kind of moments as well. Um, I mean, we've been referencing it if you've been listening to this podcast and and. and paying any attention at all in the in the softball section one of the top you know all-american players in the country is uh janae jefferson and she just broke the the ut hits record i was hoping she would she would get it uh she had to close out strong and she did um she actually got her 255th hit passing Brigitte Washington's 254 um and you know we we have we have lavished praise upon her all year because I think she's you know she's unbelievably good uh but uh if you look if you dig into how she she did that basically how she got there um it's kind of crazy right so uh Washington did 254 hits in almost 700 at bat 697 and across 235 games which is incredibly impressive Yeah, Janae Jefferson did it, 255 hits in less than 600 at-bats. So 105 less at-bats, 592 in, uh, let's call it a square 40-ish games less, 189 versus 235 games. So um, the scary part is is Janae Jefferson has another year uh, to, to make that record effectively untouchable. Like no one will ever, assuming she, she has a healthy season next year to move that forward, no one, and continues her trajectory, no one will ever touch uh, her record. So just a, a really, really incredible thing. And then Caitlin Washington just went ahead and, and became the, the all-time doubles leader uh, in the Saturday game as well. So we had, um, you know, we had records set all over the place, um, and, and it, it just, uh, it, it it's really cool to see because this has been a good group, a group that you know has battled, has had some some adversity, has had some things. They've you know, Coach White's come in. Uh, there's the players he brought with him from before, the players who are already here, and he's really turned it into a team. And both of those players, uh, Janae Jefferson and, and Washington, were were kind of here already. Um, but you know that culture of integrating those players who were Coach White's players who came with him and the players who were Texas players through and through has really turned into something cool to see. And you know we love them all equally. 
Absolutely. So uh, on senior night, Texas honored a few players, Taylor Ellsworth, MK Tedder, Shannon Rhodes, Caitlin Washington, and Molly Jacobson. Actually, Shannon Rhodes um, was drafted uh, as we are recording to the Athletes Unlimited uh, softball league. They're a multi-sport league. They do softball, volleyball, women's sports. Um, but Kat Osterman's really involved in that, so it's glad to see another Longhorn uh, jump into Athletes Unlimited. So Texas finishes the year with a 38-9 and record. 15 run rules ties the most in program history, which they set two years ago. Now Texas moves on to the Big 12 Championship in Oklahoma City, where they'll take on number two seed Oklahoma State, who they just struggled with a week ago. And then number five seed, Iowa State, uh, in preliminary pool play on Friday. So we'll see how that turns out, and we'll have more about it for you next week. Now's the part of the show where we hit up all the other sports we haven't talked about yet, and we down the 40. Starting off on the hard surface, number four men's tennis advanced to the NCAA tournament round of 16 with 4 nothing sweeps of Northern Arizona and Northwestern. Next up for them is number 13, South Carolina, on Monday the 17th. Not to be outdone, number two, women's tennis, advanced to the round of 16 against number 16, Ohio State, thanks to four nothing sweeps of Denver and Arizona State. And their matchup will be on Sunday the 16th. On the men's golf side of things, uh, Cole Hammer continues to light up the amateur circuit, and he actually led the U.S. to a win in the Walker Cup. The Walker Cup, if you don't know, is similar, not the same as the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is all of Europe. Well, the Walker Cup is just the uh, Great Britain and Ireland, but it's the amateur competition, uh, match play competition between the U.S. and Great Britain and Ireland on the links. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they've been playing, I think, since the 1920s every couple of years. So uh, I, really, really cool honor to have two Longhorns uh, on that team. Obviously, both representing uh, Team USA are, are, I would say, our two best golfers, at least this season. Um, players who have won All-American awards. Uh, Hammer, again, was just the Big 12 uh, individual medalist. So and it's also it's also good to, uh, to get the juices flowing as you head into uh, the NCAA tournament there. So uh, excited to watch. Cootie and Hamer out there. Absolutely. On the ladies' side, number 15 women's golf currently sits seventh on the leaderboard uh, at a nine over in the first day of the NCAA Louisville Regional. So we'll continue that through the early part of the week. Uh, and then track. The track team competes for the Big 12 Outdoor Championships uh, beginning this Friday. The men's and the women's, uh, the men and the women ranked number four and number six, respectively. Uh, the highest Big 12 team ranked in both rankings. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, a good close to uh, the the regular season for that program. Big Twelve uh, title very much in stake as they're the highest rated Big Twelve team and national title. Uh, you know, again within within grasp, and especially when you think about how how far some of these folks can jump, you can never uh, move it far enough away from them. But speaking of Tara Davis, tied the Big Twelve record with her third weekly uh, honor as the Big Twelve uh, performer of the week and also uh i don't know if we've updated this she was on it last week but uh we we don't think we mentioned it but this week she is on the bowerman watch list which again every year awards um in uh women's sports the the uh top athlete and she's one of 10 selected as the bowerman's uh women's watch list basically uh as the top 10 in track and i think they will announce that um like later next month but uh but yeah just really awesome to be uh to be on there um i think there's 
four total. Uh, Trip Perry's been in there, uh, and Chanel Brissett, Julian Alfred. So, um, glad to see Tara Davis getting recognized, and I think she's got a real shot. All right, Jared, let's take uh, take a look at the world through the burnt orange lenses, and this is the uh, the burnt orange Instagram app specifically to start us off here, Gerald. You were scrolling through. Some of us were checking what uh, UT football players were, were doing on the gram. I don't know if you specifically were. Uh, somebody was, and they saw Jacoby Jones's Instagram, and he had some interesting videos about what's going on at DKR on the ground. New turf going in. Gerald, thoughts? I don't have a horse in the race on grass versus turf. Texas plays really poorly on grass. I think they're 0-6 against the Big 12 teams that play on grass over the last couple of years. They also have a losing record since the Cotton Bowl switched from AstroTurf to grass back in 1994. However, don't have a horse in the race, just interesting stats. I just they have they have the whatever the heck the surface is in the bubble. They have the grass practice field next to the bubble, and now they have apparently new turf at DKR. I just want them all to match. Don't care which, just make all three the same. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is I think whatever they do, I'm glad to see they're, they're updating DKR. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot of rumblings about like a, a refresh and a revamp. You got a new football coach. You know, it, it makes sense. He's come from Alabama where they have pretty nice facilities, but a general the bubble, uh, new, new, you know, uh, surface on DKR, um, if it's turf or otherwise, but it just, just an overall kind of refresh. Um, and, and the one thing that I think I appreciate about Sark is that while this construction is happening, he'll leave the sledgehammering to the professionals. Please do. Uh, Gerald, I don't know if you've been watching, but uh, Kevin Durant's been back just a couple weeks from injury, and he has been absolutely on fire. Uh, KD, if he wouldn't have been hurt, would probably be in the MVP discussion. It's right that he isn't. There are some really incredible performances. I think Jokic is uh, is my dude, but there's there's probably three three or four people, none named LeBron, who deserve it uh, this year. But Durant, since he's been back, uh, basically just doing you know 31 uh, points a night on 54 and just a hair under 50% uh, from the field and the three point line, respectively. Uh, over eight rebounds, five assists, steal and a half and a block a game basically just kind of doing everything um i mean there is a very real argument that healthy kevin durant if he can get it going uh could will both the nets into the playoffs and a run and prove to everyone that right now the way that the the pieces fall with luka Doncic and and Giannis and 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 dame and all all kinds of of contenders that kevin durant may be the best player on the planet when fully healthy right now as as lebron james has kind of entered into his his you know, last season, which is still elite. Don't get me wrong. Um, but Kevin Durant has been able to maintain, uh, you know, a higher octane, I think right now at his place. And I think it'd be hard to say not the best player on the planet. He's not going to win it, but I like Embiid just because I, I like, I sure. like, I like defense. Like I was all, I really liked watching defensive basketball from town to town. The reason why I love Mo Bamba. Right. Mm. But, um, on the Kevin Durant thing, you know, there's been a lot of conversation from like NBA players about how good KD is playing. I, there was, um, you know, Dame, a guy who a lot of people respect. They talked about it on Dan Patrick that he's uh, unguardable. I remember last week there's a video floating around on Twitter of um, friend of the show PJ Tucker talking to KD after KD made some crazy, <laughs> crazy move to break him off. And if you know anything about PJ, dude plays defense. And after <laughs> that play, he walked up to KD. He was like, dude, that was ridiculous. Uh, so. Again, Katie's on a on a great clip, and I'm glad to see it. 
They've actually called uh, PJ the KD stopper uh, at times uh, basketball Twitter. And you, we all know that no one checks basketball Twitter more frequently than Kevin Durant or any of his varied Twitter <laughs> accounts. So I'm sure he took that personally. All right. Uh, we've been ranking who's the number one player in the world but one thing that's undisputed the number one university in the state of texas confirmed by the princeton review is the university of texas ranked number nine in the world for best value education um just goes with i think times higher education report last year the ranked ut is the top public university uh for in texas for employability of graduates the next time an aggie makes some joke about what do you call an aggie your boss uh say no that's only when you say hey boss uh, you missed a spot over there. Um, you know, they it's confusing to them when you use that type of language. They get very excited by it. Uh, but no, it's been confirmed by actual uh, research that 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 is UT. We are the best. Everyone knows that. But uh, it's nice to have it confirmed every once in a while. Is that a thing that Aggies say? Yes. Like, I guess you work at you work more on the oil and gas side of things. So I've I've never heard an Aggie say that in the circles that I run in, which is totally fine. It's a very common Aggie refrain. It is, it is as you would we may t- reference later, based on it best pseudoscience. Um, but, uh, Gerald, Usually speaking of being is. number one, <laughs> speaking of being number one, UT is lighting the tower orange today uh, for some national championships. That's right, baby. We talk about top ten Texas, but we have missed some national championships. Do you want to take a shot in the dark? I didn't put this in the notes on purpose. On any of the what you believe, uh, I'll lead you just a little bit and say these are academic club national championships that UT may or may not have won. Um, I've got nothing. I've got. I, yeah. I, I you, it, before you said <laughs> academic, I had some jokes, but then I couldn't use any of the jokes that I had. Uh, ah. I was gonna go. Uh, flag football or Quidditch, but neither of those are, are things that are academic. Don't sleep on Quidditch because I, I haven't checked. It may be coming soon. We may be lighting the tower orange. But no, this is the UT Law School team won uh, the Moot Court National Championship as well as the National Criminal Law Mock Trial uh, Championship. I think they got like five or ten other individual law national championships, which is so cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, they included in there uh, the Dell Medical School uh, had Zachary Timmons receive a 2021 Excellence in Public Health uh, award, which I think only goes out to like two people uh, a year. Um, there was a couple other folks they they uh, nominated from the Me- the Dell Medical School who they're, they're including in this uh, academic national championship, basically, uh, as well as um, the, I think, the, uh, MBA uh, students from McCombs won the Renewable Energy Case Competition hosted by University of Michigan, which is considered a national championship. And then we will not let this slide by, but the Moody College of Communication, including fine graduates and alumni, Gerald and myself, uh, the Texas debate team of two Moody uh, er, students, Zach Watts and Het decide when the cross-examination debate association national championship uh and that was led by dr brendan Banky from moody college so uh you know national championships abound guys we always say uh student athlete and we at ut really prioritize both really we just prioritize winning but we win at the student part and the athlete part so uh good stuff you know what like our friends at college station go ahead and put it on the stadium <laughs> I hope not. Please don't. Don't, don't actually put it on the stadium. That was a joke. <laughs> Speaking of the stadium, uh, and I just, uh, I'll make one more thing. You know, 
the TCU kid who said they were king. You, you said Aggie. I thought about purple Aggie. All right, that, that said they were king and, and posted the picture of the the the, the horn frogs uh, dog piling on the Longhorn in Austin and putting things on the stadium that aren't national championships. Here's here's what you know. UT has been to more college world series uh, has won more college world series actual national championships than tcu has made appearances you don't dogpile in the regional you don't dogpile in austin you only dogpile in omaha you only put national championships up on the stadium anything less you just you just really reveal yourself to be uh, little brother and in a saying that i like that that is always proved true if there's any other word associated with texas that isn't just period. If it's Texas anything or anything Texas, you ain't the best, the biggest, the brawniest in the state of Texas. Any any modifier you have to be just proves a second tier status. But anyways, Gerald, inside of our beautiful, beautiful, recently redone stadium, there used to be, I don't know what they're calling it now, but the Godzillatron on the giant screen. We watched the highlights of Vince Young pump faking Oklahoma State and other things in the stadium now during quarantine. We watch from our giant screens at home. Gerald, what are you watching? Uh, so I'm not much of a binger, but I binge watch through Invincible, which is on Amazon. Uh, it's a uh, animated uh, interpretation of a Robert Kirkman um, comic book. The premises like the world, the son of the world's most powerful superhero gets his powers and things go sideways really fast. Um, it is not one to watch with the kids. There's there's quite a bit of violence in this show. There's um, again, a, a, think of Superman. It, if Superman was a toddler with his powers and how dangerous that could get, um, that's the kind of stuff that you're in for. It's It's got some interesting things to say about um, society and politics and just interesting things like that. I enjoyed it. Um, Seth Rogen is the executive producer. Seth Rogen in the last couple of years has, uh, since the last probably five years or so, has done a really good job of bringing some um, lesser-known comic properties to TV as a producer. Preacher back in 2016, uh, The Boys, that's also on Amazon. It was pretty big success and now invincible um all three of those have been pretty solid and then um so my wife got a flat tire it's a long story i'm gonna get to a point um, my wife got a flat tire this morning after mother's day whatever so i took her car took a couple hours off work this morning took her car went over to um the tire shop to get it fit replaced we needed to put new tires on the car anyway so it's fine but when i'm bored i just you know kind of scroll through social media and i was scrolling through tiktok because i had gone through twitter and instagram twice so i hit tiktok it's my last resort and my my tiktok algorithm is um really comprised of like three things it's comedians indigenous song and dance and then theology discussions and so like those are the three things that pollute my tiktok and so i come across one a really interesting conversation Go ahead and subscribe to the person. Then my Twitter lights up a few hours later, and um, it's actually somebody that I've interacted with before, um, a listener of the show. I consider him a friend of the show. Um, goes to Kevin Mallory Music on Twitter. Uh, goes by by um, several other names elsewhere. I'll let him. You can find his Twitter um, there. But so he was like, "Hey, is this you?" Because like. I'm very different on TikTok. I'm very aware that it was different. But through all of that, I found he has a podcast that he um, launched back in March uh, called Why Would You Bring That Up? And it they do it kind of uh, in, episode, in, in seasonal drops. And so they've done one season thus far. And the whole premise of the podcast, and this is why I'm bringing it up, is 
talking about things that people don't normally talk about, the things that we kind of put taboo on to talk about in air quotes, polite society or among people, they, they want to shed light on it. And it drew me in because the it's, they're long episodes, but the first uh, season is about addiction and substance abuse. And so uh, Mal, the, the host of the podcast and his best friend, um, one of his best friends from, from, you know, childhood, uh, both have have um, histories of, of that, and so they're they're talking about their journey. Again, it is not a podcast to listen to with your kids in the car. It's one of those that like I listened to while I was doing some work here at, at, at the house. He doesn't need a signal boost from us or anything. He's got more followers than us on every social media he's on. But I like to shine light on people having these types of conversations because they need to happen, right? There are more people struggling with that kind of stuff than you'd realize, right? You'd be surprised at the number of people that have these things that we consider shame that really we should talk about because we normalize them, we take away their power, and then we could find some healing in it. And so, like, as the guy who for years didn't want to talk about the mental health stuff that he dealt with, and, you know, who wa- who wants to go to a pastor who's on antidepressants, right? It's so, like, I didn't talk about that stuff for years, and then I finally started talking about it, and other people like, oh, me too, let's talk about it and get healing. And so, um, why would you bring that up? It's on all the podcast services. Check it out. Again, do not listen to it with your kids in the car, uh, just because there's, there's language in the story they tell. Because, again, if you know anything about addiction and you just do, there's wild stuff that goes on. And so uh, it's it's a really powerful journey, and I encourage you, uh, check it out if that's something that you're interested in. Very nice. Hey, I, I like that. That's good. So we, we will signal boost, uh, I'm sure, on his podcast every week. He mentions that he listens to uh, Longhorn Republic, and, and the millions of, of listeners understand that it, it is. It is uh, they're basically one and the same in their depth of perspective and intellect. Um, <laughs> I, I will say I have a podcast as well. I've mentioned it before, but I've caught up. Uh, on it and I just want to one more time recommend Death at the Wing uh, from Adam McKay which is just really really good intersection of politics, basketball and drugs and and um, and public policy I'll say. Uh, it's really really interesting it gets more interesting every episode I, it's really well done. I can't recommend it highly enough. I won't spoil anything but I will say I take the words that Gerald says very seriously. So last week when he talked about watching Without remorse, Tom Clancy's uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, vehicle. Um, I obviously didn't write it just for Michael B., but uh, I think Gerald undersold just how um, brainless it can be to watch that. <laughs> it, it, it was perfectly fun in like a, you know, Michael Bay directs and things blow up. It was perfectly fun in like a Fast and the Furious. And in fact, there's a there's a scene in the car that's just utterly ridiculous towards the end um, that felt like it could have been out of out of Fast and the Furious um, that involved um, a confession and killing someone underwater. But anyways, um, I, I, I uh, <laughs> my wife is a Michael B. Jordan fanatic. Um, she loves me very much, but it's it's different when she watches him perform, just because she appreciates his acting crafts, I assume. But uh, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, so we obviously she already had in her mind. I was like, oh yeah, Gerald mentioned that. Let's let's go ahead and watch it. It's it's two hours, goes by quick. If you spend a lot of time analyzing and trying to break down the finer plot points, it really is like paper and water. It just dissolves and gets limp very quickly. But if you allow yourself to think, hey, if I just keep 
you know, believing if I buy into the shtick, something else is going to blow up and it's going to be crazy and he's going to do some impossible escape. And, you know, it, it is it is wonderful. I hope there's a sequel. It's so dumb. I love it. Um, it was a great popcorn action film that required zero uh, brain power and intellect um, to get through it. And, uh, hey, sometimes that's just what you need. So I, I took your advice, Gerald. I'm a week behind, but I'm echoing. I don't remember if you full-throatedly endorsed it uh but i but i I went ahead and took it and listened to it so uh that's it for me this week on the uh the godzilla truck i uh i did not ride for that movie nor will i die for that movie (laughs) it was uh it was a movie that i watched so now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics big bertha and we bang the drum brought to you by joe ruiz so kyle what are you banging the drum on this week um, you know, I, I am, I'm banging the drum on news that is fake news that is not true. Um, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of this, but sometimes people on the internet or on other places will say things that aren't true. I know it's tough to believe. Um, sometimes even on podcasts, which if you're listening to this podcast, we've never told a lie. Um, but you know, others may not be as as uh consumed with truth telling um there, there's a, a a woman and and her lack of truth telling has nothing to do with her being a woman um you should listen to tons of podcasts by women they make incredible content however this particular woman is is brainwashed because she's an aggie um casey smith of barstool which again helps explain some of the the the, the lack of of um finiteness with the truth um went on her podcast and, and began to spout, you know, the, the age old, uh, apocryphal fake news, uh, of, of how Bevo got his name. And I believe if you've come to the university of Texas, if you're a fan, maybe you don't know the full story, but as you, as you come, it's one of the things that you learn very quickly at kind of your orientation. Um, if you do the midnight prowl, which Jim, Ar- uh, Jim Nykar, excuse me, uh, who's the you know former historian of UT and is kind of the person who knows the most about the, the history of the university and I, I would put it up there knows the most about early education in the state of Texas because he just is an historian through and through um, but uh, Jim went ahead and, and and did as he does on that midnight prowl and other tours and 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 anytime you ever want to pick his brain go over to his blog or check his Twitter account and learn about our beloved UT but he went ahead on Twitter and and allowed um, some some fact checking for for Casey. Um, the 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 A and M Bevo story is wrong. The A and M song about sawing Varsity's horns off. He also wanted to go ahead and, and correct. And I appreciated. He said, "Hey Casey, uh, first UT's mascot was never named Varsity. In fact, originally that was a contraction of the word University. University became Varsity became Varsity in the eighteen nineties nineteen tens. Uh, someone going to the college, again, Texas, the premier college, was understood to be attending, um, uh, or excuse me, someone who went to varsity was to, to be attending UT. Someone who went to college, so again, the difference between university and college, was attending A&M College. It has its own purpose, but yeah, obviously slightly less elite. So varsity would be the name for a student, in fact, at the University of Texas. In old yearbooks and newspapers, you'll see references to varsity band. Varsity Glee Club, Varsity Football Team. That's how the term varsity came to be. It was from university. That's the origin of the word. So when uh, A&M sings that they are sawing varsity's horns off, it's actually a hate crime because varsity is a human and humans don't have horns. Um, So I don't know what they're doing. 
but I'll tell you, it's ugly. And I don't know why they continue to 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 prolificate the 13 to 0 is how we got Bevo. There's an entire Jim Nicar blog post. I'll share it from our account if you'd like. Go search it out. He will educate you on how Bevo came to be the slangs of the time and really gets into it's he's an historian, gets into the 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 first-hand source material that explains why that is in fact true and the Aggie story. As with most of them, as with their claim national championships, as with their stadium littered with half truths, I'll say is fake news. I've I've got nothing else to say other than stop quote hate quote tweeting people because it's exactly what they want. <laughs> stop doing it. Stop. It's fine. Don't don't quote tweet them to dunk on them because you're giving them interactions, which gives them more power. So I'm banging the drum this week. On Joseph Osai, new Cincinnati Bengal in the AFC North was asked, which opposing quarterback would you most like to sack? And his response was Ben Roethlisberger. I was shocked by this until he gave us the justification that Ben Roethlisberger was a part of the first football game he ever watched after moving to America. Understandably so, right? You, you grew up watching a legend. You got an opportunity to sack a legend. I get it. But then he followed it up with, also, Baker Mayfield would be nice, too. (laughs) And then he continued with, you know what? I'm just going to say all of them. And that's the attitude I love from Joseph Osai. You know what? He's a smart guy. And the more he thinks about it, he's like, you know what? Let's Let's just get them all. If there was a way for me to sack Joe Burrow, I'd do it, too. But we're on the same team, and they frown upon that sort of thing in practice. So, Joseph, (laughs) go win Rookie of the Year. By sacking all of the AFC North quarterbacks. Do it. It's going to be hard to do that guy in Baltimore. But other than that, yeah. get the rest of them. I think six sacks apiece on Ben and Baker. And we'll give one on Lamar for 13 total sacks on the season. That's not to mention any non-divisional uh, rivals. Um, let's round it up to an even 15 sacks. His rookie year ought to be enough to get Mr. Osai uh, a Pro Bowl invite in the rookie of the year. That sounds about right. And again, do the uh, where you get really close to hitting Joe Burrow in practice just enough to scare him and whisper in his ear, I could have had you. Uh, but keep 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 perfect Joe Sweet, sweet Prince Joe healthy. He's a guy that even though he beat Texas and I hated him for like 11 seconds, I want that guy to do well. So, you know, protect your own quarterback. Don't hit him in practice and kind of maybe leave Lamar because he's a national treasure. But those other two, just just knock the living daylights (laughs) out of him. Send Ben into an early retirement after the Bengals game. You know how you can sack him, Joe? Invite him over for Madden one day. You both can't be the Bengals. Let him be the Bengals. You play as somebody else. I don't know. Denver's got plenty of Longhorns on them. Indianapolis has a couple of Longhorns playing for them. Pick one of those teams and sack him that way. It feels like it's a way that you could fill in that resume gap that none of us want you to have. Or even more embarrassing, be the Houston Texans who are terrible, but you have Chuck Amenehu, your boy, and he is great. And that's the, you know, you could just win a game uh, uh 10 to 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 7 with the touchdown coming from a Chuck who forced fumble uh, on on Sweet Joe Strip Burrow. Strip sack, scoop and, scoop and score. Strip sack with the scoop and score and do it. But that's what we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, in fact, at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. 
You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at GHGirdridge. Follow the show on Twitter at LonghornPod. Find us on Facebook, Longhorn Republic, on both Facebook and Instagram. You can always shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this weekend. Until next time, hook em. Hook em. This is your king? Hook 'em.